first of all, thank you for reading such a long passage this morning. And uh, for those of you who uh, don't know, we are exploring a, a theme of, of the early church at this point over these next couple of months. And part of that is we've got broken people groups, which have started this week, uh, house groups, and which is a continuation of the Sunday service. There's a, a little short video from me at the beginning, don't let that put you off. Um, and just to explain a little bit more, so if you think actually Tim's not picked up on something this morning, uh, there are other opportunities in which to explore that. So Michelle will come and share more about that a little bit later. But in our reading today, we, we see this character, this person, this follower of Jesus' disciple, Paul. Now if I was to, to speak to you and say, what do you remember about Paul from his uh, time with Jesus? A lot of people will say, well, he's the one who denied Jesus. That uh, as the disciples were scattered and fearful because uh, Jesus had been, been arrested, Peter was the one who denied Jesus uh, three times. It was Peter, wasn't it? <laughs> Can I say Paul? I'm sorry. You know what? I was reading Paul right at the beginning. Peter, sorry. I think I thought Paul would have. Peter, yes. Let's start again. Peter. It's always good when the ministers are known by me, isn't it? I can just see faces of confusion looking around and thinking, what have I said now? Peter, we all knew it was Peter, didn't we? Well done for supporting my deliverance stuff. Peter. When we think of Peter, we think of him denying, don't we? Denying Jesus three times. Uh, when Peter, uh, when Jesus and disciple, Jesus had been arrested, the disciples scattered. Peter was the one that said, I do not know you. It was then when Jesus returned from his resurrection that, that reconciliation, the reinstatement of Peter as, as Jesus said to him, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And Peter, here in our reading today, seems a far cry from that person, isn't it? A far cry. But God remember that he was more than likely still a very young man. In his early 20s, if, if that. And he stands up in front of this huge crowd and speaks the most eloquent of speeches. You will have noticed that if you were here last week, we've jumped a major part of the story. Uh, we've gone from uh, the, the Jesus ascension, to now the spirit and power, and we've missed Pentecost now. Now we're going to do Pentecost in a few months' time, in May, so don't worry, we're not missing it out completely. Uh, and it seems more appropriate to do Pentecost at Pentecost rather than squeezing it in here. But we can see, when we look at Pentecost, but we can see even just looking at this account of Peter, and I must keep saying Peter for some reason I've written Paul, but Peter, something changed about him. Something huge changed. You know, the disciples were in the room when the Holy Spirit came. And it was around the time of a festival. Uh, the festival of harvest, some may call it. And a large crowd was there celebrating the festival. And they heard this large uh, sound of commotion going on. Then also they heard people speak in their own tongue. And in the midst of this, Peter stood up and spoke. 
He addressed the whole crowd. This is the man who denied Jesus, who said, actually, I don't know him, stood up and proclaimed the name of Jesus in front of an assembly of people that would have never heard such a speech before. It's almost like Peter is giving evidence. There's almost a courtroom drama scene to this. You see, Peter is bringing in lots of different angles. See what the prophet Joel wrote. If you go to the very deep group, that's where we're going to focus. But see what the prophet Joel wrote. Can you see, people, how what Joel wrote relates to who Jesus is? Through it, you will see the Psalms being quoted through this whole speech. Some might call it an apologetic. Not because they're apologizing, but apologetic in the terms of they are making proof Evidence. Evidence of this is the person of Christ. The part we entered <coughs> today at verse 36 says he is both Lord and Messiah. It's all leading up to that moment. Peter is proclaiming clearly and loudly to those who are gathered who Jesus is. We could almost say it's a response to his denial. We see Peter denying Jesus. We see Jesus reconciling and saying to Peter, don't worry about it. I love you. Do you love me? And here, after all this has happened, we see Peter going, friends, I know this Jesus who you speak of. He is the Lord and Messiah. I've denied him. I've been reconciled, forgiven by him. And I want you to share in what this, the story of this is. The disciples were empowered. There was something that changed about them. From this, this scared bunch at the beginning who, who ran, who, who asked Jesus questions that, that we do look back on sometimes and go, why are they asking that? This group of young, probably old teenagers, young men, who were listening and trying to get things right and seemingly always <coughs> getting things wrong. And this event of Pentecost has now given them a new a new hope, a new power in which they speak into the hearts of people. <coughs> the transformation we see in Peter <coughs> is huge. Something has happened. He's not just standing up. When we read the passage, he's not just standing up and saying, I want to give you my story of events. I want to tell you about what I experienced. He says it as a matter of fact. He speaks about Jesus' death, saying it wasn't a mistake. It was part of God's plan. You know, he could have quite easily said, well, you know, Jesus died and God used that and it, and it was fine and, and look, it all worked out well in the end. But he says, no, friends. 
With confidence, Jesus had a plan. Jesus' death was not a mistake. He says to those gathered, some of you thought these prophecies were about David, about a, you know, a, a patriarch of the faith. But friends, David's tomb is there. He's dead. He's buried. But I tell you that, the G, that Jesus is alive. Peter speaks with an authority and a confidence that we just have never seen before in any of the disciples. The Holy Spirit has done something to them, has transformed them, has empowered them in a way that we just cannot comprehend. You know, it'd be so easy because we could just say, well, actually, well, maybe they just thought they were speaking this. We just need to look at what happened at the end. None of the disciples, or very few of the disciples, died in a very nice way. They went and were martyred and killed. This wasn't a, let's trick everybody. And some say that some of the proofs of the existence and the power of Jesus is the, the journey of the disciples. They had to believe it. They had to know it's true because it's going to cost them their life. Peter, if we read that, if I got Carol to read all, I think it's 50 verses, we would have heard Peter proclaim about the life and ministry of Jesus. His death, his resurrection, his exaltation, his salvation, and the new community that he's calling people to be part of. None of this did Peter do in a sense of, well, maybe this is right. It was <coughs> This is what the Spirit did to Peter. Oh, can I just have that first slide up so I don't And I'm talking about word of empowerment, just think about what it is in your life. So the last thing now, so the Spirit can do that for Peter. What can the Spirit I put the coin underneath the bottom of the water. 
avoid, let's say, a ski run. So I, I won't be like, let's say, bum bum or something like that. But something. And I said, you know, when I take the cover off, the coin is going to move from under the bottom into the bottom itself. So I can believe it. I thought, that is going to be something very clever here. Took the towel off, I looked in. I said to Joe, Joe, look, it's in there. You got his face closer? And the trick is at that point is you bang the bottle and the water goes in their face. Now, I thought this would be funny. I thought we'd all have a big laugh about it. And I thought, you know, that would just be a great day to the sun's morning. But it didn't quite go like that, to be honest. First of all, I hadn't quite realised the ferocity that the water would come out of the bottle. I hadn't quite realised how close Joe had put his arm. So, as I squeezed the bottle, first of all I had Joe in front of tears because it went really quickly into his arm. And that was crying, with Michelle holding him there and looking at me going, why? <laughs> why? Why would you do that? Um, I hadn't quite realised how much I would get to swell. Um, the water came all over me. So Joe's, with the faith I thought of water crying, water's gone over me. Worst of all, I got two drops of water on Barney's stomach, and he went out proclaiming he didn't want to be in the same room with me for the rest of the day. <laughs> the reason I say this, sometimes we think things are a good idea, don't we? And it's the same with the church and our own faith and our own love. We think, I know what, this is a good idea. I'm going to do this. What I should have done is told Michelle, and Michelle would have looked at me in the beginning and gone, with that. <laughs> and sometimes God is going to say, why are you doing this? I, I'm not calling you to do this. You might think it's a good idea, but I know. So why are you doing it? And when we go down that path, we end up with crying children ourselves wet, and our children proclaiming they would be the same movement as us. But in the church, we end up making a mess. Things not going right, uh, not the things not going in the way that we thought, and sometimes it can be really messy. When God empowers us, we need to make sure that we aren't just doing something that we think is good, but something that we believe God is calling us. You know, the church at the moment, we've got some big things going on. We've got here for you starting. This week, for those who don't know, we're taking over a shop in Fall Street and uh, offering the community to come. We had prayer station yesterday. Myself, Malcolm and Joe were, were very wet on the side of the road. It's what we believe God is calling on us. We said at the beginning it would be so easy to kind of, it's raining, let's not do this. But actually, we believe God is calling on us. And it's important. What does it look like for God to empower us in our homes, in our workplaces? It's been good for those who have been part of the growing deeper groups. Um, I've had a few bits of feedback and someone said to me, you know, we talk lots about praying for, for the things that are going on in the life of the church. Maybe we need a wider focus. Maybe we need to have a map of souls, I should say, that we are praying for the whole of souls. That we have a mission God is calling us to go and minister, not just in little pockets here and there, but having a wider vision than that. 
being empowered by God is an amazing thing. But we have to learn. We have to learn. We have to learn, first of all, that it's in God's time. Now, I, I love this church. I don't just say that. I genuinely love the church. I think you are an amazing group of disciples. I think you've got some amazing things going on. I look at other churches and I thank God for the fellowship and the love and the way that they are But sometimes, just sometimes, I get frustrated that we can't do things quicker. We can't do things now. That you know that, that actually I can't spread myself five ways to do this, 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 and this. There are things in the back that I know I need to get on with. There's something else. But I need to stop that. Because it's in God's time. As long as we are attentive and we listen, not just in the life of the church, but in our individual lives, it's God's time. Be ready, be listening, be attentive, but don't try and do it one time. The other thing we need to learn is the we are vessels. We are not the one who's going to make it happen. God will work through us, but it's not just about us. It's about God working through us. Don't try to do something. And the other thing I want us to learn this morning is God can use anyone. God can use anyone. Peter. Even Paul is going to be on that road. Peter was a young man who was scared. Who didn't know what to do. And look how God used him to speak powerfully. Now, let's be honest. What we have in the Bible may not be verbatim. But we hear very clearly Peter's passion and his desire to preach the gospel. God's time is about God and God can do Timing him and God can do God's timing is different. I recognise there are people sat here today going, but where? God was going to do something amazing. And I simply asked this 